You guys are still alive? Yeah! Holy sh! The average person touches their face two or three thousand times a day. Three to five times every waking minute. You gotta isolate the sick, and I mean really isolate them. We gotta get everybody else back into the houses. We gotta keep them there. We're doing that. No, we're not doing it. And if one of them has got it, that's ten of them have got it. What does it mean? Judy, what does it mean? Nut up or shut up. Hello and welcome to Apocalyptic, a movie review podcast for apocalyptic films. Uh, we are doing this recording on May 8th, 2020. Uh, I am Jeff and I'm here with Cammy. Hi. And Chris. Ahoy. And Andrew. Hello there. Welcome everyone out there. We are super happy you're here with us. Uh, first thing we're going to do is shout out a review we received. I'm going to go over to Andrew to read this really nice and very sweet review. Hell yeah. Yeah, so we, uh, on Apple Podcasts, uh, got a review from Just James 79 Five stars. He's got great taste. Uh, <laughs> five, five, the, five. the subject here is a mask-wearing breath of fresh air, which I uh, absolutely what appreciate. Uh, and then uh, the message here says, listen to this on a whim and I am hooked. It's refreshing to hear multiple hosts uh, podcasts without falling into the tropes of bickering and morning radio style personalities. The commentary on the films is insightful and gives a unique perspective from each host. That I dig Thank it. you, Jess James, and also Thanks, that's man. a wonderful review. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that is. That brought so much warmth to all of us. <laughs> yeah, you can't see my smile behind my face mask, but it's there. <laughs> oh man well we really appreciate it we hope that uh you also get the breath of fresh air you other listeners uh from our non-bickering reviews not yet oh man not yet wait till we start some shit this podcast there's gonna be some movie that we have very different opinions on at some point it's inevitable that's true there really hasn't been a very controversial we haven't like bickered been on opposite sides of a movie yeah, we've been fairly consistent with our reviews and thoughts. Yeah, maybe this Even will be the one did, that changes though, I don't it. I don't think we're gonna bicker. <laughs> That's true. Your I probably let the audience. <laughs> I should probably let the audience know what movie we're reviewing real fast before oh, we yeah. continue on. Oh yeah. Uh, the this week's movie is gonna be Twelve Monkeys from Terry Gilliam, um, or is it Gilliam or Gilliam? I always I believe it's Gilliam. 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 That's what I thought. All right. I'm going to have another like name pronunciation question later on. Really? <laughs> All right. Um, so that's the movie we're going to be, uh, we're going to be reviewing today. Uh, but before we get into all that fun stuff, Chris, let's throw it over to you for our, uh, our COVID case count as we do as tradition. All right. Well, uh, this is the 8th of May, 2020. And as of today, we have in the United States, 1,321,785 cases. We have 78,615 deaths and we have 223,603 recoveries. So since our last taping, which was on 5-5, we have increased the cases by 84,000 in three days. We have lost uh, 6,344 people to COVID-19. 
and we have had 22,975 people recover. So, wow. a little bit of uh, good news, but also plenty of bad news. Yeah. Mm. It continues. Uh, you know, <laughs> not much, I feel yeah. like. Like you said, we were talking before the podcast began, and really it's kind of, the curve is flattened, but it's really, it's plateaued. It's kind of sticking around. Well, I'm just looking, now that I have it in a spreadsheet, on, on April 6th, we had 23,000 deaths, and so basically in the past month, We've gone from 23,000 to 78,000 um, in, in deaths, and the case count has gone from 587,000 to 1.3 million. So in a month's time, we've seen some pretty pretty large increases. Well, our hearts go out to those affected by COVID-19. Yeah. Well, because of all this you know, COVID-19, we are still here in quarantine in, uh, in California in Ohio, I think maybe you can update us, Andrew, on kind of what the situation in Ohio is like. Oh, or like your life, what? And... the numbers, or just no, 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 no. just just your your life <laughs> and what's going on with the quarantine. I wasn't prepared kind of for the Ohio. You guys are still numbers. in quarantine, right? I, I you guys am are still, still in, in Ohio, uh, not in quarantine. Just well, I guess in quarantine with my family at this point. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I, before the podcast, I was thinking like, all right, like what's going to be my update. And it really is just, yeah, every day is the same. Um, (laughs) I, it's, it's in terms of structure, it's kind of nice to have like a Monday through Friday job, which is something that is relatively new to me. Um, but now I'm thinking, okay, like how do I use my weekend? So I'm going to. Uh, tomorrow I've, I've looked up some drone spots to check out, um, in Columbus. So in hopefully empty areas, um, or only empty areas, I should say, I'll be, uh, uh, flying my drone, capturing some footage and, you know, just, just playing. Uh, but yeah, it's just been mainly working and, editing the podcast and uh making some fun posters for instagram which we love they're the best week (laughs) (laughs) it's fun it's a lot of fun Uh, all right chris what about you um well i think uh on the last pod i'd i'd experimented and created a scrap wood planter box that turned out uh eh, that was all right and uh (laughs) Since then, I've <laughs> the yeah, I, and I also I also put a hole in a table. Still haven't heard the end of that. Um, <laughs> but I, in the meantime, uh, have built two more planter boxes. But these were out of um, actual measured pieces of of wood that all matched, uh, and they turned out pretty well. <laughs> and um, also broke ground on a uh, chain link fence, so. I got the joys of uh, using a, a gasoline-powered auger for the first time, which was pretty bitchin'. I need to know so, what an auger is. Because we'll you mentioned that a lot earlier this week, and I was like, oh, yeah, it's an auger. And I made a mental note to look up what like that was, and then I forgot. <laughs> you know, it's, it basically... Like it, 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 it could be. It, it basically would be like a... like yeah. a uh, Was it um, the rock ones? It'd be like the another Geodude? evolution. Yeah, one of those. <laughs> <laughs> it basically just digs a hole for you so you don't have to dig it by hand because Jeff has Jeff knows what I'm talking about with a, a, I do. a manual post hole digger is just the worst and takes that's 
terrible. Hours, okay. and I have that 30 doesn't holes answer to questions though. Is it like is it like it's, punch it's the a, dirt? It's a spiral, or, right? Oh, so Ima- like, it's like imagine like a corkscrew for a wine yeah. bottle, but it does that with dirt. Okay, imagining like <laughs> you remember in Atlantis that thing that like would like. Psh, did you ever watch Atlantis? Sorry, back. Like take a step back. <laughs> the animated movie. Like yes, the animated movie. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I don't. Yeah. No. No. So no. Uh, okay. Don't worry about it. I'm going to let this go. <laughs> I can describe it for you later if you want me to. Um, but yes, that's that's the extent of what I've been doing since our last check-in. So more yard gotcha. work, more building, more uh, more failing upwards when it comes to um, outside projects. Mm. All right, Cam, what about you? Oh, me. Uh, <clears throat> well, earlier this week, I took our now four-month-old uh, son to the pediatrician. And that was a whole experience because um, the clinic that we usually go to that's nearest to us, um, our insurance provider or healthcare conferral provider rather um, decided to close it down and just limit the amount of clinics they have open so that they can like funnel people to the right place without like spreading um, infection. And um, it was just like a whole thing because we went to a clinic in, in RB and we got there and Jeff couldn't come in with me. Nope. So it was just me and the baby. The baby had to have a blanket over the carriage because babies can't wear face masks. And I had to wear a face mask. The second that I crossed through um, the, the door, there were two nurses. One took my temperature. The other one took the baby's temperature with this like rolly thing over his forehead. And then um, we went to check in and there was like not a soul in with the check-in area that's usually just like flooded with people and then i got to the waiting room at the pediatrician and there was nobody in there either we went in and well from the very beginning everybody was wearing face masks but it was just really weird to get to um the doctor's office and the pediatrician who was helping us out also had like a homemade face mask so that was like at first i was like oh that's a little disconcerting but then i realized you know they probably have the masks over two people we're dealing with people that are actively infected and the people that are, are going to this doctor, like they, they check at the door to make sure that they're not infected before going to see him. So anyway, it was just like a really interesting experience. But um, good news is that everybody's okay. Um, and our son somehow grew six inches in four months. It's just mind-blowing. tall baby. I'm, yeah. I'm also very tall for people who are listening and don't know who I am. Oh, yeah. And Jeff and I are married, for those who don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. For those who don't go. know who I am. <laughs> yeah. A large group of strangers. Up, yeah. Um, let's see. For my, my uh, check-in... Oh, okay. So last time we mentioned that our uh, washer-dryer was not working uh it turns out it was the control board and so we're getting it fixed on monday so of course yay, washing machine board. yes all modern stuff you know has some sort of motherboard or control board to do stuff in it so well, during a pandemic the last thing you want is for the one of the things that disinfects your stuff to go haywire so fortunately it's gonna get fixed soon <laughs> yeah so that'll be fixed very soon so that's that's exciting though um but that's and this is the one it. that you snuck it in under the warranty? 
yes. right under the warranty, like two Ooh. days or a day before. It broke, and Jeff was like, let's go find a, the manual for this thing. And then I was like, I've got, I'll do you one better. I found a warranty that expires in like three days. <laughs> Dude, that's super lucky, because I bet you that isn't cheap if it's out of warranty. No, I doubt it. Motherboard been... or control board, whatever the hell it is. Yeah, control board. No. I, I'm, I'm very thankful that the previous owners of this home we bought had bought a warranty because I probably wouldn't have bought the warranties. <laughs> Jeff learned a very valuable lesson about buying warranties. Yes, I learned a very good lesson. Most of the time, it's not worth it. This time, very thankful. Oh man, I'm I'm slinging warranties left and right at my job. It's important. <laughs> well, we have yeah. I, my laptop is still not working. At some point, when Apple stores open again, I have to go in and figure that out. Yeah, it's future yeah. Jeff problem though. Future problem. Yeah. I feel like it's very future future. <laughs> That's what it Far feels future, like. not close future. Close future. No, uh, no, it doesn't seem like it. Um, all right, well, thank you guys for letting us uh, know what you're up to in your quarantine, your COVID-19 affected lives. Um, let's move into the 12 Monkeys trailer. Are you guys ready? Oh, Three. yeah. Y'all ready for this? Yeah. Three, <laughs> Three, two, one. <laughs> You're a very good observer, Cole. We have a very advanced program, something very different. An opportunity to reduce your sentence considerably. And possibly play an important role in returning the human race to the surface of the Earth. No license, no prints, no warrants. Take him down! But he took on five cops like he was just into the eyeballs. What year is this? What year do you think it is? 1996. That's the future, James. Do you think you're living in the future? I'm simply trying to gather information to help the people in the present trace the path of the virus. We're not in the present now. This is a place for crazy people. I'm not saying you're not mentally ill. I'm for all I know you're <laughs> crazy as a loon. The army of the 12 monkeys, they're the ones that spread the virus. Monkeys. He's been living in a meticulously constructed fantasy world and that world is starting to disintegrate. You haven't become addicted to that dying world? No, sir. He needs help. I think I'm crazy when people start dying next month. I don't belong here. You're here because of the system. I know some things that you don't know. Yes, my son. You sent me to the wrong year. You're certain of that? Science ain't an exact science. You had a bullet from World War One in your leg, James. How did it get there? I don't know. You're a trained psychiatrist. You know the difference between what's real and what's not. You said that I had delusions. You said you could explain. I'm trying to. I want the future to be unknown. Please! I can help you. Get you out. We're all monkeys. The thing mutates, we live underground! They're watching you. I just want to do my part to get us back on top in charge of the planet. There's an epic chorus thing going on there at the end. I don't think that was even in the movie either. No, there's a lot more, uh, not harpsichord, accordion. (laughs) Yeah, like unexpected tango music. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of tango music. (laughs) All right, so let's see. Uh, I'm going to give a little short synopsis here. It's a little bit of a complicated plot, so I'm going to kind of give a simplified version of it. (laughs) A little bit. Um, Yeah, essentially a deadly virus, which is the reason why we chose this film as part of our, uh, our slate of movies. 
Um, a deadly virus released in the year 1996 wipes out almost all of humanity, forcing survivors to live underground. A group known as the Army of the Twelve Monkeys is believed to have released the virus. In 2035, James Cole, played by Bruce Willis, is a prisoner living in a subterranean compound beneath the ruins of Philadelphia, and he is sent to the past to follow the clues, I guess, to figure out um, where this virus comes from. And that's essentially what happens in the movie. Mm-hmm. There you go. Boom. Chris. That's can a you good tell us summary. About, it seems like it's, it's surface, but you know we'll get into it. Um, yeah. How'd this movie do as far as the box office, Chris? All right, so Wikipedia has the budget at $29.5 million. And we have a domestic total of 57141000 which pretty good. The international was $111,698,000. Mm-hmm. And the worldwide total is $168,839. Wait. Yeah. $168 million or $168,000? million. That makes more sense. How do you go for- how do you go from 111 million international to 168,000 worldwide? <laughs> Math is so not my thing, which is why I call this movie Ten Monkeys. Ah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but yeah. So given the given the budget of 30 million, pretty good worldwide. That's pretty. Good. That's really good in '95 too, right? That yeah. seems like it's a pretty decent haul. Yeah, a lot of the yeah. actors actually. Um, they took a huge pay cut for like their status. Like the the movie should have cost a lot more, and like a lot of the prompts and and stuff were pretty like rudimentary, considering you know the subject matter. Like it, it should have it could have cost a lot more, but they they did a little bit more bare bones than like they could have. I feel like Terry Gilliam is pretty. He, he's he's quite an artist. He he draws a lot. His like his um, background is really in sort of the the creative process of coming up with uh, the visuals and i feel like he's a pretty creative mind who would do stuff on a shoestring budget well he's also kind of like a, a perfectionist there's like a mm. scene where um bruce willis is injecting himself with something um while he's in prison in um 2035 and there's supposed to be like this visual that i honestly did not see of this like hamster in a hamster wheel but when they were shooting it, the hamster decided they want to run that day, and they took forever to, waiting for this hamster to actually like get to it. And after the fact, they just like made fun of him mercilessly. They called it like the hamster effect. Anytime he was being like a perfectionist about something. <laughs> I wonder oh. if it was harder to direct Brad Pitt or that hamster. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine Brad Pitt. Come on, hamster, work with well, me. <laughs> he also struggled a little bit with with Brad Pitt. He wasn't sure that he was going to get that like that rapid speech, and so he took like Brad Pitt's cigarettes away to kind of get him to be a little bit more crazy. Oh, so he was in withdrawal. Well, <laughs> yeah. oh, that's pretty clever. That's smart. That's good. Yeah, that is very good. Huh? huh. Yeah, he also didn't want. Sorry, I'm going to just like rattle off all these fun facts. <laughs> um, he didn't want um, Bruce Willis either. And like took uh, him aside and t- like like gave him like a list of like his cliches like his acting cliches so that he would you know be more tailored to his style because he actually wanted what was it Nick Jeff Nolte? Brid- Nick Nolte and or Jeff Bridges who he had worked with on The Fisher King. Oh, yeah. Wow. Jeff Bridges. Nick Nolte seems like an odd Oof. choice to me. 
But I think Nick well, Nolte would have been cool though. Different, but cool. The love story would have felt like, very different. I need to get to nineteen ninety six. Stat. That's pretty good. Well, I wonder if, if, you. if part of the part of the problem or part of the decision to have Bruce <laughs> instead of someone like Nick Nolte is that Bruce, I think, was a, more of a well-known international star. Because especially if you look at the international numbers, it made a bunch of money internationally. So it may be that, you know, in like Japan and Italy and just other big markets, Bruce Willis was a known entity, whereas Nick Nolte, maybe not. Yeah, well, Bruce Willis was a bargaining chip because, um, like, Terry Gilliam, the only reason, like, the only reason why he signed on was because he got final cut, but in return, the producers were like, okay, but, not the producers, but, like, the studio's like, okay, sure, you get a final cut, but we want Bruce Willis. He's going to draw in more people. Mm. Well, it sounds like probably accurate. by By the time 12 Monkeys came out, Brad Pitt was pretty was on a star on the rise as well because he'd already had mm-hmm. Seven and Legend of the Fall, and so the Interview with the Vampire, the fire, yeah, Interview with the Vampire, right? So he was a becoming a much more known quantity, um, which is lucky, what's in the box? <laughs> <laughs> no, that wasn't as good of an impression, Andrew. <laughs> that was like oh, Mario man. from Super Mario. What's, what's in the box? box? <laughs> It's on me. Andrew, what's you it? gotta quit while you're ahead. Quit <laughs> Sorry, another seven spoiler, like second one in this podcast. Yeah, it's true. It's too Again, if you haven't seen seven, I can't help you. It's, it's a been classic. Twenty-five years. Get to it. I think you have seen seven. Gwyneth Paltrow's heads in a box. <laughs> That's what's in the box. And it ends up in Contagion, no less. It does. The same <laughs> head. Yeah, brought it back. Circle. Brought it back. Yeah. Full circle. Oh, man. Okay, so want to start, want to look at where this movie begins and kind of the world that we, we find ourselves in. So essentially, this would be in 2035, right? Yes. Yeah. And it's essentially like it's, it's a world in which people are living underground. I thought at first it was a prison, but I think it's actually yeah. just a, I think it, it's actually just like a place where people live. It didn't. Well, they like, keep talking the movie, about like, pardons and stuff. So yeah, it says it's he's a, prison. a prisoner. It's a prison. So he is a prisoner. Yeah, he's a he's prisoner. He's looking for a pardon. Yeah. James Cole, clear from quarantine. Thank you. You two wait outside. He's got a history, Doctor. Violence, antisocial six, repeated violations of the permanent emergency code, insolence, defiance, disregard of authority. Doing 25 to life. I don't think he's going to hurt us. You aren't going to hurt us, are you, Mr. Cole? No, sir. Do we ever get to see how people who are not in prison are living besides the scientists that he talks to? No. 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 So we really don't get an idea of what life is like. Not a lot of context going into it. No. This is fine. Can you imagine if, like, everybody was living like Bruce Willis? Like, that's their Zoom conference. That big ball of, like, <laughs> screens. Oh <my> God. <laughs> that is an amazing prop, honestly. It broke every single shot they had at it. It was not very reliable, <laughs> but it's such a cool prop. That's, I mean, I really like the sort of design, the, the, the you know. The disco ball of screens? The costumes. Oh, okay. the, the, the body the condom? production design. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the body condom. I mean, that is some serious PPE in this movie. He he yeah. protects himself. So he okay. So he's sent to the surface. He's essentially is chosen 
to he's be told sent to that the surface. He's volunteering. He's volunteered. Voluntold. He's voluntold. Voluntold, yeah. We appreciate your volunteering. You're a very good observer, Cole. Thank you. We have a very advanced program, something very different. An opportunity to reduce your sentence considerably. And possibly play an important role in returning the human race to the surface of the Earth. We want tough-minded people. Strong, mentally. We've had some misfortunes with unstable types. For a man in your position, an opportunity not to volunteer could be a real mistake. Definitely a mistake. Put on his calm suit, puts on his like raincoat yep. suit. And go- <laughs> condom suit. I mean, it's like a swim cap, essentially. But yes. Full body swim cap, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so he ends up, he ends up on the surface of the earth. Philadelphia. Uh, yeah, Philadelphia. It's, you know, very cold, wintry, snowy. It's overgrown. With like wild too. animals. There's lions yeah. and like other animals about that really are not native to Philadelphia. It kind of reminded is, me of uh, a, a, there's a photo of a wolf on Michigan Avenue uh, that was mm. taken like somewhat recently. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. Like, and with that bear that just shows up, and it's like, oh shit, you're not supposed to be here in normal mm-hmm. times. That's been the, like one of the craziest things about COVID is just like seeing all these wild animals return to their like native lands so to speak like you have the goats and whales the capybaras in brazil and so on and so forth a flock of sheep in turkey there was some town in turkey where you just had like a hundred or something sheep just roaming down the road like a not normal sheep road (laughs) not normal is there a normal sheep yeah i mean there's no stay in your lane sheep you have like you know where you sheep probably crossing regularly but this was like like a highway kind of thing where just you're less likely to have sheep it's like rebellious sheep just like playing by their own rules. Nobody's around to check on them. <laughs> I, I wonder it. how fast they were going down the highway. <laughs> Pull over the sheep. Excuse me, sheep. <laughs> you were not going the speed limit. And they apologized and they were very sheepish. We're bad. <laughs> Sorry, it's <was> bad. <laughs> oh, God. This group with their puns. Where were we? Oh, yeah. Oh, he goes God. to the surface and is gathering specimen. Yeah, I guess like a, he gathers some animals, essentially. I'm not quite sure how they intend to use this to track the virus. It seems, I don't know. I'm not a scientist, so maybe <laughs> I, there's something I'm missing. But I think it's more like some, like, spiders and shit and mash them together to make some medicine. It's very <laughs> vague, but they also right? don't, they don't really go into how the time travel works either. Well, they, oh, they do wait, show it, They though. show it. And we'll get to that. But um, I want to talk about the mall that he goes into, the Benin Mall, that's also kind of like a church. She thought it was a church, actually. It's so weird. I've, I've, has anybody been to a mall like that? Maybe Philadelphia has church malls. Church malls. New thing. Worship sure. to the capitalist I gods. Yes. <laughs> been to one. Maybe if you go to Philadelphia. I've never actually never been to Philadelphia, so I can't say. Mm-hmm. It's just a very dramatic looking mall. Which we find out later has a wig section, which <laughs> as kind of weird. Do you know? It's as an important component. That's one of those. Um, what do they call it? An anchor. A mall anchor is the uh, wig Direct store. Direct me to your wig wing department. All the cool okay, kids on the Friday nights hang out at you know the wig store. 
Wigs, Wigs are, are us. us. Oh man. <laughs> Get out That's of my head. That's why you're married. <laughs> it's terrible. Oh, okay. So okay, so he he he's sent to the service, which I, I think was a test. And essentially he's he's brought back to the this panel of scientists who are underneath here living, kind of trying to figure out um they're under the surface of Philadelphia as well, and they're trying to gauge or trying to figure out where this virus came from, how it spread. And they decide to use their time traveling technology to send yeah, coal. Shit gets weird at this point, even weird. A little bit, yeah. Um, but and just, uh, so they go back, but there's no reference of a time machine, right? Where as the audience, you're sort not, of in not the at this point. To, yeah, okay. We see the the time machine. I think the second when he goes, our third time that he goes back. It's either the second or third time. Yeah. Yeah. But essentially, we'll he arrives. It. Sure. He he mistakenly <laughs> ends up in 1990 when he's supposed to end up in 1996. Um, this is kind of the you know this is a, a portion where he he is confused. He gets arrested and he ends up in a um, insane asylum. I work for the county. I don't work for the police. So my concern is for your well-being. Do you understand that? I can't. I can't make the police let you go. But I do want to help you. So I. I need you to tell me exactly what happened tonight. Do you think you can do that, James? May I call you James? James. The wearer calls me that. Have you been a patient at County? Have I seen you someplace? Not possible. I need to go. I need to... I'm supposed to be gathering information. What kind of information? Won't help you. Won't help anyone. Won't change anything. James, do you know why you're here? Because I'm a good observer. And a tough mind. I see. You don't remember assaulting a police officer for several hours. Why are they chained? Why are they chained on me? You've been in an institution before, haven't you? No. Need to go. Need to go. In prison, James. Underground. Hiding. This air. This is such wonderful air. What's wonderful about the air, James? Very fresh. No germs. Why? (laughs) Why do you think there aren't any germs in the air? This is October, right? April. What year is this? What year do you think it is? 1996. That's the future, James. Do you think you're living in the future? 1996 is the past. No, 1996 is the future. This is 1990. He's diagnosed by Catherine Riley. Riley? That's the name that I don't know. The pronunciation of? The pronunciation of. of. Is it Riley or Riley? I think it's It's Riley. I think it's Riley. It's Riley. We all watched the movie, and I feel like somebody says the name, and none of us remember. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure it's Riley. Yeah, no, it's Riley. I Andrew's watched it the most recently. Fifteen minutes before we started recording. (laughs) This Uh, is just the most obnoxious spelling of the the name Riley. For those who can't see this, it's R A I L L Y. Like, God, what a pretentious spelling! It's like Amy A Y M I E. Brian is Icelandic. <laughs> I lost so many fans just now named Amy. <laughs> That's how I spell it. 
<laughs> I highly doubt anyone spells it A-Y-M-I-E. If you do, please comment and correct me. I had a friend in high school. She spelled it A-I-M-E-E. That's like Amy Mann. Yeah, right? no, I have a friend. I have a friend that spells it the same way. Uh, All right, it's still, <laughs> still a little weird. Yeah, but we okay. So, in the mental asylum, we meet my favorite character in this movie, bar none. I forget. It's Jeffrey Goins. It's a great name. <laughs> Jeffrey Goins. Jeffrey played, Goins. Played Goins. by Brad Pitt. Games, games. Here's some games. Games I want to get out. <clears throat> See? More games. Games, they vegetize it. See? Yeah. If you play the games, you're voluntarily taking a tranquilizer. I guess they give you some chemical restraints, huh? Drugs! What did they give you? Thorazine? Haldol? How much? How much? Learn your drugs. Know your doses. It's elementary. I need to make a telephone call. Telephone call? A telephone call? That's communication with the outside world. Doctor's discretion. Huh? Nah. Uh, hey. All of these nuts could just make phone calls that could spread insanity oozing through telephone cables, oozing to the ears of all these poor, sane people, infecting them. Wackos everywhere, plague of madness. Come on, let's go. In fact, very few, 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 very few of us here are actually mentally ill. I'm not saying you're not mentally ill. For all I know, you're crazy as a loon. But that's not why you're here. That's not why you're here. It's not why you're here. You're here because of the system. I think his... He could have his own podcast. He probably would have a very successful radio show somewhere talking about Hi, this fanatical. Is Jeffrey Goins. <laughs> well, he's essentially like anti-capitalist, and um, it's sort of. Or I shouldn't say that he's anti-corporatist, which is what Wikipedia said. Um, but like he talks about, you know, the the you know the impact of commercials, and he's kind of ranting to Cole. He's supposed to be giving a tour of the mental institution. There's the television. It's all right there. All right there. Look, listen, Neil, pray. Commercials. Not productive anymore. At least to make things anymore. It's all automated. What are we for then? We're consumers, Jim. Ah, okay, okay. Buy a lot of stuff. You're a good citizen. But if you don't buy a lot of stuff, if you don't, what are you then, I ask you? What? Mentally ill. Fact, Jim. Fact. If you don't buy things, toilet paper, new cars, computerized blenders, electrically operated sexual devices, serial systems with brain implanted headphones, screwdrivers, miniature built-in radar devices, voice-activated computers. But he makes that, remember we were watching it and he makes that one point of talking about how people are expected to purchase things and you have to yep. be part of the machine and the first yeah. thing he mentions is toilet paper. <laughs> Super weird. Literally <laughs> <laughs> the first thing. Go on, you get your toilet paper. That struck us. How is that part of the machine? Relevant. I mean, I buy toilet I mean, paper. People need to wipe their butts. Does that mean that he doesn't? Since he's against being part of the machine, does that mean his he's a bidet guy? He's a bidet guy. guy. Bidet. <laughs> For sure. He's got a Perry bottle with him at all times. He's got a bidet installed in the mental institute. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Maybe just, they probably do have a hose, let's be frank. <laughs> that would be what they'd yeah. use. Well, that's actually a parallel that happens in the future that happens, I think, before he goes to the scene as asylum. In, um, when he's at the prison, when we first meet him, he, when he comes back from being in the real world, he gets disinfected with like what looks like white out, that like, white paint. Oh, and before right. he goes to the yeah. asylum, he's also scrubbed down. Mm, that's a good point. Yeah, there's that, there's that um, uh, a correlation, but there was sort of a, um, a connection between those two moments. Mm-hmm. Both past and future. There's a lot. 
there's a lot of stuff and this is why like in the beginning of the movie it's very disorienting because you're not entirely sure what's going on in terms of the time travel then you later discover that there's a time travel element to it but there are moments like what you just referenced that like it's so hard it's i i this was the first time i saw this movie so i'm eager to rewatch this one now because there's moments like that that i wonder is that just sort of like almost like a deja vu moment that he's experiencing that you know it's pretty wild and and there's something that happens throughout the movie that showcases um so this this is right before the big virus took place it, it keeps going back to this uh, this point in the movie uh, in 96, right before the virus hits, where it's you're actually seeing Bruce Willis's character as a child seeing the scene of someone getting shot in an airport. Mm-hmm. And there's a few moments there where you see different elements, including Brad Pitt's character that isn't actually in the Very real little. life scenario of that. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. There's a lot of weird shit going on like that. I think it's pretty uh, intentional. That's such a cool example of that. It's pretty intentional. The idea of um, making the audience wonder what is what, what is real and what's real. not. Like that's that's yeah. I think very much an intentional part yeah. of the the story. Yeah, he the becomes an unreliable narrator of sorts, but not really narrator because obviously there's no narration. But you're mm-hmm. seeing it through his eyes. Yeah. But you, you could, you're meant to, I think, ponder or wonder whether, you know, because that's the whole thing is he's telling this story. He's in the mental institution. He's explaining to a psychiatrist what's going on, like why he's here. He has this phone number he can call that he's supposed to leave a message for. But when he calls the number in 1990, it's this very, very silly scene of like a, a, a woman that with like six, really four funny. or five kids. <laughs> you know, like, what are you talking know. about? Andrew, also, it may not seem applicable, but watching that scene of that poor mother trying to juggle answering the phone with what I think three kids, four kids, gave me as at a least young, five. Young as a as a parent to a young child, a lot of anxiety, and I only have one. <laughs> so she stuck around on that phone would've... a lot longer than I would have. I would have been like, oh, "Wait, yeah. what? Carpet clean? No, that... I'm sorry, bye. Nope. Hang up. Yeah, <laughs> no foul. No I don't know who you are. Two full sentences. That scene... it's, it's done. That's so funny. That scene in the kitchen with that family just felt like an entirely different movie. <laughs> I was like, is this, is this just like a well, comedy now? <laughs> well, sorry. For anybody who hasn't watched the movie, so he's in the, the, the insane asylum, and he's trying to explain to everybody how he's not, he doesn't belong there. He's from the future. And, like, when you say that you're from the future in an insane asylum, they're going to be like, yeah, sure, buddy. <laughs> so he says, like, let me just have one phone call, and I promise it'll, like, clear this Right up. Don't, don't worry about it. Five billion people died in 1996 and 1997. Almost the entire population of the world. Only about 1% of us survived. Are you going to save us, Mr. Cole? How can I save you? This already happened. I can't save you. Nobody can. I am simply trying to gather information to help the people in the present trace the path of the virus. We're not in the present now, Mr. Cole? No. 1990 is the past. This already happened. That's what I'm trying to... Mr. Cole? Mr. Cole? You believe 1996 is the present, then? Is that it? No. 1996 is the past, too. Listen to me. What I... What I... 
What I need to do is make a telephone call. I, I can straighten this all out if I make a telephone call. Who would you call? Who would straighten everything out? The scientists. Oh. They'll want to know that they sent me at the wrong time. I can leave a voicemail message that they monitor from the present. Can I just make one telephone call, please? Please. He makes a phone call and it's to this mother. And it's just mayhem. Because yeah. it's to not be who fair, he said it was going to be. To be fair, when you say that you're from the future not in an insane asylum, you also look nuts. Yeah. Well, you, they're going to think you, you belong in an insane <laughs> asylum. Yeah, they're like, oh, you're in the right, right place, yeah. buddy. We got you. We got you, yeah. boo. <laughs> we got you, There are plenty of crazy characters in that insane asylum. Obviously, Brad Pitt's character. But there was that one guy talking about how he's currently existing on a planet... Planet Ogo. looking to take over Ogo that's trying to take over Pluto or some shit. Yeah, is he the guy in the tux in... with the bunny slippers? Yes. Yeah, yeah Insane Asylum, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yes. Insane <laughs> Neil deGrasse Tyson. I don't really come from outer space. Oh, L.J. Washington, he doesn't really come from outer space. Don't mock me, my friend. <laughs> Get out of my chair! It's a condition of mental divergence. I find myself on the planet Ogo, part of an intellectual elite, preparing to subjugate the barbarian hordes on Pluto. But even though this is a totally convincing reality for me in every way, nevertheless, Ogo is actually a construct of my psyche. I am mentally divergent in that I am escaping certain unnamed realities that plague my life here. When I stop going there, I will be well. Are you also divergent, friend? That's oh, awesome. That's so wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Cast of characters. Yeah. So this is where you meet Dr. Riley for the first time. She's on that panel. Mm-hmm. And this poor woman, she is like professional through and through, oh. and just like all of her male coworkers suck <laughs> so bad. Because <laughs> like she clearly is an expert and she's like really good at what she does, but everybody just like doubts her every step of the way just for being the token lady on the panel. It just, as a fellow lady, just really infuriated me. A lot, lot, lot of bitches on that panel. Lots of bitches. <sighs> Except for Riley. They also keep reminding her that she's a psychiatrist. Like, she's Constantly. somehow forgotten. <laughs> Come on. You're, You're a, psychiatrist. a psychiatrist. But everywhere she goes, like, it's not just, like, her panel of, like, awful coworkers. It's also the cop? Who's that guy? Oh, uh, Christopher Melanie? Christopher Melanie, later on, is, like, a yeah, psychiatrist. Do you know why, like... Well, uh, kid- kidnapped women always offend the assholes who like kidnap them. Yeah, something oh. to that effect. Yeah, Stockholm syndrome to some degree. Is that was called Stockholm. Uh, That's kidnap victims. What? what <laughs> she was a kidnap victim. But yeah. very in, in that same scene where she's starting to interview. Uh, sorry, what's Bruce Willis's character's name? Cole. James. James, James Cole. James Cole. James Cole. Uh, so when she's interviewing James Cole. Um, that's the first glimpse into like there's some funniness going on because she keeps mentioning that she recognizes him from somewhere but has no idea like can't pinpoint it Mm -hmm. and then 
the relationship blossoms from there. <laughs> that, we were talking about that while we were watching it. Like that relationship, I think, kind of it it kind of switches on really quickly. It doesn't it, happen this particular scene. It just, happens in a very like Disney way, where they're like, "I hate you, I hate you," and like five seconds later, you're the love of my life. I would die for you. It does seem to <laughs> yeah. It's it's a slightly. That element of the movie is probably where it's like, do we need to have the love story aspect of this? I don't know. I mean, it, it's important, I would say, but maybe it just could have been done better. But how do you do better of like, you know, a time traveling, you know, person shows up and the psychiatrist who interviews him ends up falling in love with him? It's pretty tough to kind of find a way to make that feel organic. They had enough going yes. on in this movie. They did not need the love story. Yeah. They had good. They had good chemistry know. when they weren't yelling at each other. And... Yeah, when you know he wasn't killing vagrants to save her from being raped. You know. <laughs> yeah. That really put a kibosh on their relationship. That's a tough time, you know. Um, a few issues. Should we to iron out? Okay, so so okay. Wait a second. So Cole is in this in this uh, in this um, insane asylum. He ends up being put into sort of like solitary confinement for trying to escape. He gets uh, Brad Pitt's help to escape, essentially. Ooh, you really dosed him, Jim. Uh, uh, major load, danger, Will Robinson, danger. You gotta get it together. Focus, focus, focus. Remember the plan. I did my part. What? Shh. Not what. When? Yes. When? Now. Now, Jim. Now. Yes. Now. Buy. Sell. Stop. Opening now. Now's the time for all the men to seize the moment. The moment. Now's the time for all the men to seize the day. Quit playing the fool. Mastercard. Visa. The T2. Um, but when the they go to check on him, he's gone. He's disappeared. They can't figure out what happened. Um, J. Cole was you know, locked up and disappeared. Pulled out. Flink. Um, he's brought back to 2035. He essentially is then, they try to send him back. Um, and he ends up in like World War One. Yeah. Um, World which War One. This scene definitely felt out of place, but it, I, it, it's important later on. But they and never explain how the machine with all that debris. How do they? They never explain how their time travel works and how they send them to the wrong places, different continents. It is very unclear how any of this works. No. There's a great line in it though. That's like so. There's that scene where he's in solitary confinement, and there's a voice that's just talking to him. And I think his name's the voice is Bob. Is that right? Yeah, we keep Bob, calling him Bob. Yeah, Bob. Uh, oh, okay. It, well, in any case, there's this voice speaking to him, and it and it's from the future. I, I I don't know. It's a little up in the air where this voice is coming from. Um, yeah. And he says a line where they're talking about how time travel works and how it's a science, but not an exact science, meaning mm-hmm, that yeah. they could get the timing a bit off. I guess so off that it's sent to World War One. <laughs> 
But in that scene, he runs into a familiar face. Jose? Jose, who was his... Uh, Cellmate? Cell... Neighbor. Uh, neighbor, I guess. <laughs> so assuming that... Uh, so my assumption there is that he... His... Uh, Jose was also voluntold to do this, but he was instead sent to World War One. I, I guess. That's the, the idea yeah. there? Okay. Well, accidentally, maybe. And is this, this is the moment when, when, when J. Cole goes back. This is when we see him go through the, like, the weird little shoot. It's like a... The, the human pinball machine. The human pinball machine, as Cammy likes to call it. Um, that's our first look at the actual contraption that's supposed to send them back in time. Um, which, again, not really given much information on that one, but we do at least get to see the, the machine that is... Doing the time travel. It's kind of cool, though. I, I visually, it's pretty interesting. No, I dig it. Again, it's the production design is is. It's we were talking about it too. It's not quite steampunk, um, but it definitely feels like it's like slapdash, right? It's like put together with what you can. Um, yeah. You know, the fact that they were able to figure out time travel in in only you know, what forty years after the, the collapse of the <laughs> the world. That's pretty. That means we're like ten, fifteen years off. <laughs> yeah, we're pretty close. We already have yeah. that pandemic, so just like you know, necessity is the mother of all invention, right? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> um, it kind of uh, reminded me of. Do you guys remember? Like, I think it's like the late '90s or mid '90s when you went to your mom would go to the bank that like shoot thing that like you would give oh, the vacuum, the vacuum. Yeah, oh, yeah, you go thing, and like yeah. they put the the cash or whatever, and then it would just like the tube would just travel through. I like to think that's how yeah. um, Bruce Willis's time machine worked. I like that idea. That's a great way of explaining that. <laughs> yeah, it's tube time. <laughs> tube o'clock. <laughs> Maybe we'll get to the it's right time. Probably time. not. <laughs> uh, all right. The important I thing. Lo- I world... wish, man. I wish they said that in the beginning of that scene. It's tube time. <laughs> <laughs> The Jetsons. The Jetsons travel through tubes. Sorry. But in Bruce yes. I'm going to go through all the references. It was also in Tommy Boy, which we saw recently. <laughs> it pulls Rob Lowe's shirt into <laughs> the tube. Oh, right. Yeah. That's where I saw it most recently. Um, the important thing in World War One is J. Cole gets shot. Uh, and so he has a bullet in him that is essentially from a weapon from World War One. So that's kind of an important component. Now... He goes from World War One back to 2035, right? No, he goes no, from I think... World War One to 96. Yeah, straight for yeah. Tra- yeah. Interesting. It's a straight hop because he, he's so, freaking so out. So he still has that bullet wound. Yeah, he's still bleeding. The, like the bullet's still wound. in his leg. Okay. Yeah. Where so, then we're... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna say then we're so we're back in 1996. We don't see James Cole right away. We see Dr. Riley giving a, a lecture on mm-hmm. um, what was the it? Cassandra so, complex. Yes, and she meets Dr. Peters there for the first time. Dr. Peters works for Brad Pitt's, uh, so for Christopher Plummer's. Um, for Christopher business, Plummer, yeah. yeah, who's a virologist. So essentially, so this Dr. guy Peters, played by David Morris, who's also a pretty pretty sweet actor. Not a a-list star, but he's a uh, he's a pretty cool, pretty cool actor. Yeah, character actor. 
Well, it's interesting. I guess he is also, to some degree, an environmentalist. He essentially envisions that humanity's gradually will humanity will gradually destroy itself with the destruction of the environment, and he thinks that's he thinks that's insane. Um, so he's quite alarmed by this, um, and he talks about that during the or after the lecture when he goes to get Dr. R- uh, Riley's book signed. I think Dr. Riley. You're giving Alarmus a bad name. I have. Mm-hmm. Surely there's very real and very convincing data that the planet cannot survive the excesses of the human race. This is true. Proliferation of atomic devices, uncontrolled breeding habits, pollution of land, sea, and air, the rape of the environment. In this context, isn't it obvious that Chicken Little represents the same vision? And that Homo sapiens' motto, let's go shopping, is the cry of the true lunatic? And so we get a sort of a glimpse of where his head's at, and uh, that comes back later. Yeah, it's a little bit of like a law and order formula where you, the person you see for just a glimpse turns out mm-hmm. to be <laughs> the person that takes it all down. Yeah, he uh, he plays a pretty pivotal role uh, in the destruction of humanity, essentially. Um, but J. Cole shows up and kidnaps Dr. Riley. Um, yeah, that seems super strange, <laughs> where you just see this shadowy figure grab her, throw her in the car, and, like, just drive! Where? <laughs> to Pittsburgh. Where are they going, actually? I don't remember. Pennsylvania? Baltimore. Philadelphia. Yeah. Or Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Yeah. <laughs> Go to Philadelphia. That's an hour away! Yeah, that's how that scene plays out. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should you give you uh, two uh, nominations. For yeah, that. We'll, ju- we'll just, uh, we could just reenact every scene. No, what I what I <laughs> liked about that scene because that's when you know the the even though he's like kidnapped her, there's still some like flirtation Sparks. happening in the car there. Sparks flying, like I don't know, it's kind of like some role playing maybe with the you know, I don't know whatever whatever they're into. Nineties movies were but, very problematic. They had a lot of scenes that like I, I'm worried had some guys going like, oh, this could kickstart my love life. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. As a lady, yeah. it was just like, oh, no, please don't, yeah. please don't but give this as a how-to. Probably my, probably my favorite element of this scene was Bruce Willis was very, like, he kept wanting her to play music in the car because mm-hmm. from where he's from in, in uh, 2035, music just isn't a thing. It doesn't exist. And so there's a moment where he talks about, like, man, I love the music that you guys made in the 20th century. And it, like, that whole sequence sort of reminded me a little bit of that uh, piece in 28 Days Later where they talk about, like, oh, no music's going to be made, no more films and all that stuff. And, like, that is genuinely something we will get past coronavirus and COVID-19, but that is something that I, I kind of think about, like, it's almost I, – I didn't really think of a world in which new movies, for example, weren't releasing or new music. Well, music is still going on, but at least new yeah. movies wouldn't be releasing. So, yeah, so this moment in the film just kind of hit me again where I'm just like, oh, God, got to we really actually, be happy we've been with talking, we We've been talking about it, and I feel like it's going to be a huge animation boom. I oh, think it's sure. gonna be, I think so too. It's going to be a big moment I'm for animation. I'm stoked to buy Scoob for 25 bucks on the 15th <laughs> of May. Scoob? <laughs> or that the might new Scooby-Doo movie. Oh, I was thinking, no, there's like the, um, 
whatchamacallit, uh, what's the movie that the king of Long Island, no, the king of Staten, Staten Island, Staten Island oh. is coming Staten out June Island looks so 15th. good. So that's still, that was things filmed are going to be coming out. last summer, to be fair, though. <laughs> yeah, no, things that be filmed that'd be a little different, but like, music, I think a lot of people can make still. At home. Could, yeah, music two things. People can make it at home, yeah. look at, you know, whether you like her or not, Billie Eilish and her, her, her brother make music essentially in a bedroom, uh, you know, which is impressive. But music's been around for millennium, <laughs> like millennia. Like, there are still people that can make music, even if it's not recorded and shared, music will still be created. So well, little... there was oh, a, yeah. a moment where I, I related to Bruce Willis's character with the music because I remember when I was in, in Navy boot camp, I'd gone a month without hearing music and we had to do some trip where we took someone in a van uh, somewhere across one of the bases. It was the first time I'd heard any music in a month. And it was some pop song, I think, called, uh, it was called Gravity. Couldn't tell you how it went or anything. But it was the first <laughs> song I'd heard in a month. And I remember tearing up a little bit because it just the, the input music. of something entirely different than what I'd been used to for a whole month with no music. The song yeah. isn't even that great, but just because it was the first in a month, I, I understood his profound reaction, even if mine would be a slice of his. So I, that's kind of a real, I think that's a real sensation you can have if you go that long without hearing music, because I had it happen to me. Is it huh. Sarah Pirelli? Could be. I don't know. Is it like a, sl- a slow song? John Mayer. No, it was something. No. It was a techno dubstep kind of thing. Oh, okay. So I was gonna so. say, Sarah Bradley Gravity is like known for being like a tearjerker, like background, like the background of like tearjerker scenes and like same. No, unless stuff. unless it was like a, a techno cover of that, I don't know. I love the idea of these big brute guys coming from boot camp <laughs> listening to Sarah Bareilles. <laughs> I was thinking Defy Gravity from Wicked. Well, like they make fun of like, the song "Gravity" like being used that way in a community where they just like start making like these weird, like romantic scenes between characters that have nothing to anything to do with each other. Using the song "Gravity," it's so good. <laughs> oh, good. Anyway, that's funny. Yeah, but the the thing is, so they end up at the house of the virologist. Um, so Goins, the guy who was in the mental institution, his father, the virologist, has his house, and he's having a party. And uh, J. Cole actually puts Dr. Riley in the trunk. They don't really, they actually don't show you that. They just show him kind of yeah, beginning to like Before they grab cut. her arms. And she's like, no, don't do it. And then it cuts to him yeah. like going to the house. It was, well, it was <laughs> like right after they had a moment where it was like, this might be, like, you might not live from this. And, and like, I thought it was going to be something like, I don't the R word ha- might have happened. <laughs> I was just like, "Fuck no, Bruce!" I think then, rapes are a word you're allowed to say, but not a fun. Word. I know. I I just I hate saying rape. No one likes to say that word. Now I just I just said it. Anyway. Now, now you've made us say it three times, <laughs> Andrew. <laughs> you could just say you yeah. could just do what they do in uh, Arrested Development and be like, "Oh, nobody wants to R her." <laughs> oh, oh no, Buster! Oh, dude, God. unacceptable. Oh, Arrested Development. But. The worst part of like that implication is that then afterwards it's like a news report, and it's oh, like yeah. a lady well, was found horribly disfigured. It, like we think it might be that yeah. Dr. Riley or whatever. Yeah, I was like, "What the fuck?" And then she's just in the <laughs> trunk. And it very rarely when I see someone in a trunk, 
locked in a trunk, am I relieved? But in that case, I was. <laughs> she was so angry to be in that trunk, and like rightfully so. But I'm like, girl, there's another woman who got found, and she was yeah. not in a trunk. Yeah, what happened yeah. with her? We don't really find out. What no. We don't ever though. go into any of that. It's just a coincidence that they found someone, a woman mutilated in the same forest. It's just to make the audience nervous. Just a very tough emotions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, we kind of skimmed over the part where he actually did. I mentioned it earlier in the podcast about the time when someone did try to rape her. This was before the scene, and he had to kind of kill these two vagrants in a. It was a theater, kinda? I think. He had to kind of kill them. He totally yeah, he had, killed them. He kind of. He like curb stomped one of their yeah. heads. It was yeah. Insane. The American History X'd one of the guys. Yeah. Yeah, it was but pretty he, brutal. He was very dead. Now, the other, like, homeless people in that scene, um, I got hey, a feeling that do they prefer transients? Those... <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hobos? Fine. They're whatever. not homeless. Uh, well, They're just on the move. No matter what, whatever they were doing. Oh, my God. Jesus. Hey, man. You scared the <laughs> fuck out of me. Oh, a vagrant. A vagrant. <laughs> For the audience that uh, did not see that, uh, Andrew's mom just popped in and scared the living bejesus Jesus out of him. Jesus Christ. I see a hand on the screen. I had no idea what was going on. Is, are you being too loud again, Andrew? Andrew, are you being put are in a trunk? Blink twice. Oh, no. Guess. I'm not being too loud. She just Man, she scared the beard right off your face. <laughs> I, For I those who can't up. see, Andrew shaped his beard. Okay, well, we're recording right now. Hi, Aunt Marion. Hi, Marion. Love you very much. Wow. Did you just say I love you, babe? That's what it sounded like. Huh? I said I love you very much. Oh, I heard love you, babe. No. Bye. Good night, mom. Wow. All right. Where was I? That scared the fuck out of me. My heart like leaped. Oh my gosh. Rama, stop looking at headphones. Ranma, stop Jesus. licking my where Birkenstock. Where was I? I don't even know what we're talking about. <laughs> well, one of the things we Vagrants. didn't mention that yeah, we Vagrants. should have is, is during during a couple points in their car ride together, they, they're they hearing about the news story about the kid who fell down a well. Oh, yeah. And that there's a big search looking for this kid who uh, was out with some playmates and uh, seemed to have fell down a well. And so she's she mentions it and at some point... Um, Cole says that it was all a, a, a joke and that the kid was actually hiding in a, in a barn. And so he just kind of shrugs off the news story as it's happening. And that's just something that comes up during the car ride that's important. That's true. Yeah. Mm. So, well, I mean, I remember my point now. The, the, the people <laughs> in that scene where American History X curb stomping was happening, I got a feeling that those were other people, other volunteers that got stuck. I don't know if, if maybe that was just my interpretation or because the, the, the guy that was talking about taking out his teeth, oh. you, I, I was under the impression that that was the guy that was like speaking to him. He like, thought in that too. He thought that too. Right. And then he's like, he, I think he thought that as well. No, no, it was her. Dr. Riley kind of grabs him at some point later on. No, but he thinks that too. Yeah, right. She see yeah, because he, he he confronted them while she was there. She remembers him later on. Gotcha. 
Well, there's also the guy on the pedestal who's dressed up like in medieval attire, and he's pontificating from a from a stump or something, and he yells towards Cole and says, "Oh, hey, you're one of us." So yeah, you're one of us. Yeah, the town yeller. Yeah, I I I don't know if that's that's how I interpreted it, but that was something I was like, huh? Why why is he one of them? (laughs) I want to see that scene again. That's the only way that I understood that. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I think one of the one of the key components here is I think Doctor Riley. The, the important part is she is now starting to believe him. Um, there starts yeah. to be evidence that piles up. Um, you know, like like Chris just mentioned, the boy in the well. It turns out that he was in the barn. So, well, remember what happened. Remember what happened. So, they they escape from uh, the senior Goins house. The Great Escape, nineteen ninety. Watch it. The hospital? Yeah, am I right? I can't do anything about what you're going to do. I can't change anything. I won't stop you. I can't stop you. I just want the information. Come on, come on. Hi, ladies. So nice to see you again. Remember to watch your step on the way down. All right, who blabbed? Brunt? Weller? I just want access to the pure virus. Virus? Yes, for the future. I need to know where it is and exactly what it is. Ah, I get it. I see what you're up to. It's your old plan, isn't it? What plan? Yes, you do. We were in the day room watching television, and you were all upset about the desecration of the planet, which I understand. But then you said to me, "Wouldn't it be great if there was a germ or a virus that would wipe out all of mankind, no. like the animals no. and the trees?" That no, was so you're just trying to confuse me. Now. So funny. And I told you my father was this famous virologist, and you said, "Hey, he can make a germ, and we can steal it." Right? <laughs> <laughs> go, go, go! The right. oh, thing mutates. We live underground. The world belongs to the dogs and cats. We live like worms. We just need the information. You are total nutcase, completely deranged, delusional, paranoid. Your process is all fucked up. Your information tree is jammed, man. You know what it is. Normally, up to 12 months, flexing those nations from space case, do good or sitting in rainforest. I have nothing to do with those bows. I'm standing over there. I'm quitting the witch. This kid's going. Ball guy. What's the benefit of doing that? Let's be a red flag, asshole. the horn to get after after he lets her out of the trunk and so people yeah. start showing up to yes. rescue her and he disappears from the middle of a creek bed yes. and she can't yes, figure out you. where the hell he went yes he ends up back in 2035 and in the meantime um dr riley is is starting to at this point try to she's starting to be suspicious that maybe he is telling the truth because she can't yeah. seem to explain where he's gone and in the meantime they're, they they get um, some some um, they figure out that the kid was in fact in the barn. So she hears this yep. that the the case has come to a conclusion. So she, these things are starting to add up. And the ballistics then, report comes back for the bullet in his leg, and it's and, right. It's from so World she, War II, one. Yeah, the the Christopher Maloney's uh, Maloney's cop basically determines that the the ballistics of the bullet would only have been from World War One. At which point. Yeah. She then comes across a photograph that she had that has a naked Bruce Willis in the photograph from World War so, I. So, 
the Jose, the guy that Bruce Willis runs into when he ends up in the World War One, is actually featured in her book in an image. You yeah. see that during her lecture. What and a so she, Yeah, quite a coincidence. Um, <laughs> and so, yes, she... And I wonder why she thought she would have a picture of him. Like, what are the... I think she recognized... Because she said she'd seen him before. Yeah. It's like probably from the photograph. Before. That makes sense. You know? Um, and so she finds the photograph and sees that he's in it. Um, and then she... She goes back to... I, don't, I forget why or how she found the sort of place where the 12 monkeys... The 12 monkeys are essentially what are supposed to be an environmentalist group that want to Well, he tells terrorize. her to follow uh, the symbol, and she follows the symbol, right? Which is those red the, monkeys in a logo yeah. in a circle. But they went there yeah. together. When he yeah. was in town, though, before he left, they, they, they went to that area, and actually uh -huh. he confronted them. Yeah. Um, so I think she went back to where they had confronted them previously. Yes. But now Brad Pitt's character is there because um, he hadn't been there that buddies. first time. Yeah. And so we're, I mean, the audience oh. is essentially led to believe that they, they're the ones that are going to be responsible for releasing the virus. One of the guys in the, in the 12 Monkeys group um, is the um, head of Hulu. Yeah, the guy from Silicon, from Silicon Valley. Valley, from the head of Hooli, that's right. Yeah. I was like, oh, shit, I've never seen him in anything else other than this <laughs> He's also, You have seen him in something else. You've seen him I in have. American Psycho. He's the closeted gay oh, guy oh. that hits on Christian Bale. 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 Really? Bale. <laughs> oh, man. I need to Bale of Ball. That. I remember him in that. Yeah, there's That's the, been, scene, in the, there's the scene in the bathroom where Christian Bale comes up behind him at the urinal with the gloves. What's like choke him? Uh, to choke him. And then he basically turns around and just grabs his hands and is like, oh, I thought you'd never do that or whatever. I've always wanted this or I've whatever. always wanted this and then Christian Bale's character is just totally oh not you know sure what, what I do. do remember that scene oh wow yeah. interesting okay do so you have seen him uh, a couple times before I guess so I guess so yeah anyway, he's all stringy and young for big fans one. of that guy he's great in this <laughs> <laughs> for like five minutes <laughs> so for five minutes um, yeah. <laughs> So they essentially decide to escape, right? They're like, she believes him at this point. He, there's, there's a weird scene inside of a hotel where a pimp shows up. It's, it's kind of random. Oh, oh, man. He's in the cutoff yeah, leather, a... leather suit, and he puts it on a hanger, but then just drops it. It's, it's a prince, like, Crocodile Dundee oh. hat. And it's like really no eyebrows in that room too, and demanding to take that because room. The, the owner of the hotel called him saying, "Hey, I guess there's some new girl in town." Because they're at a, like a hotel where a one you, hour hotel. yeah, a one you pay by the yeah. hour. Yeah. So like, a lady yeah. shows up and wants a hotel room for by the hour. It's it's a little obvious what she's up to. So she's encroaching on some dude's territory essentially, and so he he gets <laughs> warned and shows up. It's. Such a weird scene. Oh my gosh. And he's like he in a Bruce cutter. Willis that guy gets Bruce dead. Willis then takes he's out. He does real it. Dead. He takes out he two it. of his teeth in the bathroom. That's uh, another like oh, fake so out. Similar to the trunk thing. Like, exactly. It is another fake out because you make it seem yeah. like he kills the pimp in the bathtub when in reality all the blood on him is from when he pulled out two of his teeth. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Because the cops show up and say. Yeah, and the pimp the thinks he was a dentist. 
<laughs> yeah, no, he's a fucked up dentist. dentist. That's it's what he so says. dumb. <laughs> well, Bruce Willis comes out of the bathroom looking like he just like ate him for lunch with like blood coming out of his mouth. Oh, oh, it's so, it so brutal. And he's like, nope. Like, I've never been relieved and said the words like, oh, I'm so glad he just pulled out his own teeth. <laughs> I'm glad the <laughs> that, okay. That's all. <laughs> oh, uh, but he didn't weird, want to be but... traced. That's why he did it. Because he wants to stay with Dr. Riley forever. So they've And they've decided that they're going to run off to uh, the Florida Keys before the beginning of the, uh, the, of the pandemic. Because apparently the Florida Keys are just beautiful that time of year. Well, it was an ad earlier in the psych, psych, uh, the mental, mental, mental hospital. Yeah, mental, mental hospital. They're watching TV, and that ad comes up. There is a, an advertisement for the Florida Keys. I mean, it's funny. Uh, our parents, my parents, and Chris's parents live in Key West. Um, so it's just kind of funny the fact that the Florida Keys are are referenced in this. Yeah, that's where they movie. want to go for the end of the world. Is this Key West? Key West. Ironically, uh, our parents just went back to Key West. So you know. <laughs> Thinking like Great Bruce Willis and Doctor Riley. <laughs> well, one of the one of the points that, that happens before they decide that they're gonna um, run away to the Keys is that Doctor Riley decides that she's going to try calling the the phone the phone number now that it's 1996, mm-hmm. yeah. and mm-hmm. she goes over to the payphone, talks for a second, and then runs back towards uh, James, and she basically is relieved because she says that. The person that picked up on the other end is a carpet cleaner, and so she just rambles on and, and kind of in a jovial tone of voice talks about how the 12 monkeys are responsible for releasing the virus, have a Merry Christmas. But in the midst of her explaining to James what she said on the phone call, he repeats back to her what she says before she actually says it, because it turns out that what she said on that payphone, the message did in fact get sent to the future because that's the message that he got before he came to the past and so it just shows that she was responsible for having the initial hunt for the 12 monkeys it was she did it from the from the past um that's incredibly important in the same way that that when um jeffrey goines tells james at his father's house that the inspiration for the 12 monkeys came from James in the insane asylum six years earlier. And so it showcases the fact that a lot of the choices made by some of the characters were influenced by James or Dr. Riley at different points in time. Well, James, I feel like, had the impact on it all, essentially. He, yes. He bears a huge amount of responsibility. And we kind of got into this, you know, when we were talking about the, the movie right afterward, but it kind of falls into some of the challenges with time travel movies and how can things take place, but they only take place because someone from the future came back to the past. Where's the initial catalyst for the events taking place? Like, it, it's hard. Things fall apart very quickly. And that's one of the challenges with time travel in movies. But that does happen. I liked me. it. I, I, I liked I, I That didn't, you know, pull me out of it at all. Didn't bother It's you? confusing as fuck, but it's just like, <laughs> you kind of just embrace it. It's just like, okay, well, this is just how it works in, the, in this yeah. way of science. Or quote unquote. <laughs> they head to the airport in the cab. They and said, seeing wait, 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 wait. Before, before they go to the airport, though, they decide to get disguises. They get a blonde wig. 
He gets a mustache. That's like na- the natural born killer scene. They go to the wig store. The wig yeah, store. they go to the wig yeah. store. He gets a Magnum PI shirt and she gets this bright red dress. And, like I'm surprised he didn't like at this point go like, oh, we're the people in that dream sequence that I keep on having. <laughs> but <laughs> they get all also, dressed up. Fugitives, to go and to- she's like, I'm gonna wear a red dress since everyone's <laughs> looking for me. It's a great dress though. I love the dress. Everybody's really bad at hiding from the law in this movie. We'll go into a little bit more of that Bruce, later. Bruce but... Willis with uh, chops, mustache chops. It looks pretty sweet, too. And the long, long flowing hair, because he's usually bald. So Bruce Willis. <laughs> oh, yeah. But they, they get all dressed up, and they go to a Hitchcock marathon like you do before you flee town. That's right, the Hitchcock marathon. Jeez. What I a feel weird... like that's, that's a very Terry Gilliam, like, let's... I need to throw in my boy Hitchcock in here. <laughs> what time's your flight, friends? It's 9.30. Might be tight. Tight? Mm. No, my watch says 7.30. On your normal morning, okay, plenty of time. But today you gotta take into account your army of the 12 monkeys factor. What? What'd you say? 12 monkeys, honey. Guess you folks didn't turn on your radio this morning. Bunch of weirdos let all the animals out of the zoo. And they locked up this big shot scientist in one of the cages. Scientist's own kid, one of the ones did it. Now they got animals all over the place. Bunch of zebras closed down the throughway about an hour ago. And they got something called an emu. It's got traffic blocked uh, for miles up on 676. They're accomplishing by releasing an animal like this one into a city like <laughs> That's what they were up to, freeing animals. Animals. They said we did it. They meant the animals. The animals, yeah. So on the way to the airport, Dr. Riley and James Cole see a bunch of wild zoo animals on the roads. So there's like giraffes, there's like a lion, and they essentially are explained by the cab driver it's going to take a while to get to the airport because some idiots... I think calling themselves the 12 monkeys have released all the animals from the zoo. <laughs> to back up a little further, we see um, Jeffrey Goins uh, with his uh, crew of gangly college students uh, kidnapping his dad. <laughs> and his, But before that, his dad has like uh, talked with uh, Dr. Peters. Sorry, we're just going to do this all backwards. With Dr. Peters. <laughs> That's how my brain works, guys. It goes like, hey, Dr. Peters, I think my son's up to no good. Let's lock this up a little bit tighter than usual because I think that our virus is going to get released. And Dr. Peters is like, I got you. It's okay. It's cool. I got it on lockdown. Then Jeffrey ends up um, kidnapping his dad and other scientists and locking them up at at the zoo. And that's when we see the zoo animals run free. Yeah. And the cat. Is that all they did with his dad? They just locked him up in the zoo? Yeah. So he doesn't kill his dad. They just put him in, a, in an ape cage. They made him a zoo animal. They put him in a cage. You know? I, yeah, I, they, I like the detail first. of they they tied his mouth with uh, something that says biohazard <laughs> in there. And because and, that's also another moment where you're thinking like the 12 monkeys are responsible for this uh, virus. Yeah. But then it's the switch up of really they were responsible for just releasing these animals as like an animal rights thing. I think they just wanted to do something disruptive. Yeah. 
they yeah, they right, they right. weren't thinking as big as Bruce Willis and Doctor Peters. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Peters was Global thinking pretty big. pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. I think Doctor Peters at this point was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna lock up this virus so good and then release it." <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. So they finally get, like to, the get to the airport after. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the now. So, uh, shit. Bruce Willis and Doctor Riley. <laughs> That's how I remember them. Anyway, uh, they're at the airport doing their thing, trying to get through uh, security. Meanwhile, the Doctor Peters is that correct? Yeah. Okay, so meanwhile, Dr. Peters um, is also going, happened to be going through security at the same airport place, and he's got a bag that he's trying to check, and it has some of these vials in there, and he, and security asked them to if they could look at his bag. Excuse me, sir. Would you mind letting me have a look at the contents of your bag, please? Me? Biological samples. I have the papers right here. Yeah. I'm going to have to ask you to open this up, sir. Open it? Well, yes, of course. See? Biological. Check the papers. It's all proper. Take a permit. It's empty. Well, yes, to be sure. It looks empty. I assure you, it's not. No, ma'am, I don't have to understand. You think that, but no, you no, have to get very important. There you see. Also invisible to the naked eye. It doesn't even have an odor. <laughs> That's not necessary, sir. Mm. There you go. Thank you for your cooperation. Have a good flight. This is where I was a bit confused in terms of why all of a sudden he wanted to spread a virus seemingly willy-nilly just based on the fact that the TSA asked him to open his bag. Did I, I think was he I knew that was going to happen. Correctly there? I he think knew that was going to happen, so that was his ploy. Okay. He wanted to... He wanted to... Re- he had... Well, the funny thing is that when you see him at the ticket counter before this scene... For whatever reason, the, the the lady like looking through his itinerary is like, "Wow, you're going to all major cities around the world." She's like listing off all the <laughs> cities he's about to visit. <laughs> yeah. And so, oh, in terms okay. of how he's going to spread it, okay. Yeah, yeah. but of course, yeah, Philadelphia it, is first on the list. Very, he was very eager to show his bag. I was like, when when I'm asked uh, when they ask to look at my bag, I'm always so nervous, even though I don't have anything to hide. <laughs> he he. He is just like, yes, why don't you take a quick look and a sniff, please? But I love how he opens it. He's like, it's, it's, you know, you can't see it. And he puts it underneath the, it. the TSA guy's, like, nose. Odorless. You can't taste it or smell it. Odorless, yeah. Red flag. Also, he's wearing a bright yellow jacket. And he has shoulder-length red hair. Again, nobody is trying to just blend in <laughs> at all. <laughs> No. I think everybody wants credit. Well, in the for... 90s, that's kind of like blending in, right? Yeah, everybody Maybe else was wearing more. bright colors. Yeah. Terrible ties, too. Yeah, well, the, okay, so the one piece that's important here, though, too, is while he's in the airport, uh, Bruce Willis ends up making a phone call to the number to the carpet cleaners. 
and actually informs them like we were wrong about the 12 monkeys um it's they weren't the ones that did i don't think he knew it was peters at that point yeah no he doesn't um Mm -hmm. but but his uh dr riley she's off getting gum or something i forget what she's doing at the the (laughs) cat the like um walden books or whatever she's at but (laughs) she's busy getting some gum (laughs) but she looks at a stack of newspapers because it's the 90s and we still have those around that's right what's a newspaper this is so silly (laughs) and she sees his picture and she like has like a little bit of like a gene neutron brain blast and remembers him like talking to her at her lecture being like wouldn't it be great if we had a pestilence that just cleared us all out so the the earth could bounce back. But it's like it's not. It's, so it's an article about Christopher Plummer, the Goins' dad, and Doctor Peters like just in the corner. You know, he's in the front. He's like in the corner. Like yeah, but there. it's a picture. Ugh. It's very. How does she keep coming across the... these photographs yeah. with really important information throughout the movie? It's like a. It's like a very. It's like a visual way to have exposition without having to say a word. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's exactly it's, what it it's is. It's pretty unrealistic, frankly. So, um, at this point, um, James Cole hangs up his call to the future, and um, she's, like, running in to begin the dream sequence, and... <laughs> well, Jose pops up. Oh, Jose pops up, sorry. Uh, Jose pops up, going down the escalator, and he's like, how did you get here? How did you know? I was like, we got your phone call, like, the one I gave five minutes ago. He's like, yeah, we're from the future, man. <laughs> Doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> and essentially, gives him he a, should know. James Cole should know that already. You'd think he's traveled like four or five <laughs> times, and he's like, "How surprise!" He's like human pinball machine, dude. We did it again. Um, essentially, this dude Jose gives him a giant gun, a uh, freaking hand cannon. Uh, so that's you know, will be good. Um, okay, can I can I interject with a question? Yeah. Okay, so the phone call that James gets initially, where it says that leads to him going back in the first place, that the 12 monkeys are responsible for releasing the virus, right? They got that phone call. So why didn't they also have the phone call that James makes? Because, you know what? You're getting into time Never travel mind. questions, Chris. Yeah, you're getting into the... So, okay, so don't think about before. it. You can't think about it too much. <laughs> we can think about it. I don't think we can answer it. So though. in the future, they get all these phone calls, but they get them like too late. Like, Or they're able to decipher them too late. That's what happens. Is that the phone call that they get from Bruce Willis at the airport, they aren't able to like solve that before they um, were able to clean up the file that she left... Earlier All that right. day I'll or ac- two days ago? Tammy, I'll accept that. I will accept that as an explanation. <laughs> I apologize. Please continue. <laughs> I wouldn't apologize. It's like, okay. That, that's, that's, I'm, I'm and, asking more than anything. <laughs> that's, that's enough of an argument. <laughs> that seems like a perfectly plausible well, we'll, explanation. We'll, we'll hit up Terry and see what he has to say for himself. For sure. 100%. I'll call him. I got his number. Uh, where Sorry. Are we? So Cole has the hand cannon. Yep. Well, they, they spot Peters, and they realize that he's the guy, um, and they start chasing after him. They're trying to get to him. And he's um, somehow still in security. No, um, he's, he's left security. But not before the security guy has his, like, Speedo. It's like this weird bit of humor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what the hell was that shot? 
He holds up Dr. Peter's like Speedo. casual, like, hey, you forgot your Speedo. <laughs> it's, like, it's like Terry Gilliam was like, I was with Monty Python, remember? <laughs> yeah. That was that was another moment where, uh, similar to that mom in the kitchen with her family scene, that was like, are we in the same movie right now? Or <laughs> It's a bit of sketch comedy. Yeah. I guess he got final cut. I would imagine if there were other people with that decision, that speedo shot <laughs> might not have made it. In. Sometimes you need to hear no. They screened it, and or like maybe his audiences didn't like the cut, but they went with it anyway. Maybe and I mean, it was still successful. Cut. It still yeah, did a decent job. It still got ninety percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So. Made five times its budget in movie theaters. So yeah, you it know. definitely did did just fine with yeah. the speedo decision. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Transformers makes five times its budget too. Gross. <laughs> I mean, that's true. Yeah, but Brad Pitt got a Golden Globe and an Oscar nom, so. And he's really good at it, though. He's so good. He is good. Brad Pitt's awesome. Like, wow. I, I, I not love Brad. I love Bruce Willis in this too. He's very, very cliche Bruce Willis, but he's rocking it in this movie. <laughs> I think he's not cliche Bruce yeah, Willis. Same. I think he's different Bruce Willis. Really? That's the nice part. Yeah. He's not like diehard Bruce Willis. Like, come to he California. Curbs, he does. He curb stomps a dude, though. Pretty. That, that's some yeah. diehard. Is that, is that Bruce Willis? Is that a Bruce Willis trope? <laughs> I mean, just it's very aggressive. <laughs> yeah. Bruce Willis chases down Dr. Peters. There's a young child, which we, of course, realize is Bruce Willis as a young person, as his young person, as a kid. Um, and he's witnessing, <laughs> he's witnessing himself get shot by police as he's trying to chase down Dr. Peters. And unfortunately, he is shot down before he has the opportunity to shoot Dr. Peters because he's trying to like shoot him while running, which is very difficult to do. Um, and Dr. Riley's chasing after as well. <laughs> we see we see Dr. Peters end up on an airplane and. The person sitting Shaking next to him. hand. The next oh, we person. We don't do that is, anymore. We don't do that anymore. We don't do that. Um, we elbow. I almost said elbow fist. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> oh, no, stop it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, sitting next to him on the airplane is a character who we've actually seen previously. It's obscene. All the violence, all the lunacy. Shootings even at airports now. We might say that we're the next endangered species. Human beings. I think you're right, ma'am. I think you've hit the nail on the head. Jones is my name. I'm an insurance. She is a woman who is part of the council that is giving instruction to James in the year 2035. She's the astrophysicist. Now, yes. And she no, says... Her he name is Jones. So Jones uh, is sitting next to him in first class because they both have really fancy champagne. They do. And lots of leg room. Lots of leg room. Ridiculous. Ridiculous <laughs> amounts of leg room. Um, and she, he asked her what business she's in. She said, oh, I'm in insurance. <laughs> Which... Okay, so Cammy and I were talking about this scene because I thought maybe this was proof that the 2035 stuff wasn't real because this character was the same age as she was in the future. Like, why would she be here? 
And Cammie was like, no, that's Jeff, you're, you're wrong. And she explained to me why I was wrong. So she's, she essentially time traveled after she got um, Bruce Willis's message from the airport to make sure that Dr. Peters gets killed. Once they realize it's yeah, not the I'm, 12 monkeys, I, she Cammie, time I'm travels with you. Yes, that's that yeah. was oh, no, what I, I thought too. Yeah, that's correct. I was yeah. very much yeah. wrong. Um, yeah, I admit Jeff, you're that wrong. fully. You're but the line is so clever, though. <laughs> oh, I'm in insurance. Like, come on, that's pretty good. Yeah, she's yeah. the insurance policy to make sure that Jose doesn't fail. To be fair, or, like the ending confused me too. It took me like I was typing up the notes for today, and then I was like, wait a second. So, like, I'm with with Jeff. It was a little confusing until you realize, like, oh wait, there's no I mean, way the she whole... could be the same age. I mean, I apologize to the audience now because we're kind of jumping around a little bit, but the movie jumps around all over the place. <laughs> that's true. That's like, that's sort of, I think we did a pretty good job summarizing this, actually. <laughs> I still don't know if people, if we should tell people they should see the movie before they listen to the podcast. I think or they should, they but it's a bit late should. now. Well, yeah, true. <laughs> but like, yeah, you if, could also if get you've a just good now decided <laughs> it's too late, well. That's, That's okay because kind of <laughs> what's what's good what's fine about that is that the podcast provides essentially a list of movies that are kind of related and in context of you know apocalyptic pandemic type things. So yeah. people probably have seen probably have seen a bunch of them, but for the movies that they haven't seen, this gives them a list of other movies that are somewhat similar. You know, so they don't have yeah. to listen to this one if they haven't seen Twelve Monkeys, but maybe they've seen Contagion and Outbreak and The Road. So now they can put this on their list to watch it before they listen to us. Yeah. Yeah, so. and you can listen to all these podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, <laughs> YouTube, SoundCloud, Instagram. Yeah, you, you know, just check it out. Just search us. Check it out. And yeah, I have to say, if you haven't listened to our last episode, one of the things that we noted while we're watching is that there's a lot of parallels between this movie and Idiocracy. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Yes. With yeah. the time, or yeah. Somebody else want to take He's it away? He's working for a pardon. Oh, that's interesting. Working I mean, for that a was pardon. the big one. He's working for a pardon the whole... So, in this movie, James Cole is motivated by getting a pardon the whole time. And similar to Idiocracy, where uh, President Camacho and the House of Representatives are offering... Um, <laughs> Pardons? Joe, Joe a pardon. So, that's one big one. What were the other ones we came up with? Because there were a few others that were surprisingly... Um, he like time travels down. and like yeah, nobody believes that he he comes from another time. Yep, trying to um, convince people. He goes to jail. He escapes from jail. He escapes from jail escapes in both jail. places. <laughs> um, he's got a buddy. One They're practically one, in, like, the same movie. Idiocracy. <laughs> it's uh, uh Frida Pendejo, and in this one, it's uh, Doctor Riley. Or? No, <laughs> well, yes, but also. No, no. no Doctor Riley is her, is his prostitute in this one. <laughs> she also gets accused for being a prostitute in this one. <laughs> also, That's there's true. a pimp, probably named Upgrade. <laughs> yes. Maybe. Oh shit. <laughs> yes, I the same. If we played this movie again and looked at each frame, Luke Wilson <laughs> probably appears in the background Somewhere. of a photo that Doctor Riley's looking. at. Of course. At the very least, you see Terry Gilliam taking notes in the corner. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Ex- exactly. So, uh, so what no, was wait. All, this movie came out before, our... unless there was time travel. There. Time travel. <laughs> time travel. The world. What is was a, our favorite is a circle? Scenes? Oh, if we got what was we're that doing that, we're favorite oh, scenes. Favorite have scene. We, have we gotten oh. to a point? We've successfully gotten through. We have. I think we're favorite scenes. Then we got to do we our toilet it. paper rolls. Um, 
I was gonna say favorite scene. Uh, I think the scene in the mental hospital with Brad Pitt when he's giving him the tour, just because it's, it's it's Brad Pitt unhinged and it's just a really wonderful thing to watch. And I think. No, Jeffrey. What? Hey, look here. This here's James. Now, do me a favor. Why don't you show him around? Tell him the TV rules. Show him the games and stuff. Okay? How much are you gonna pay me? How much? I'd be doing your job. Five thousand dollars, my man. That enough? Five thousand. Wire check to your account as usual. Five thousand dollars. Five thousand dollars. Five thousand dollars. I'll give him the deluxe mental hospital tour. My man. Get uh, around, get around, <laughs> make him feel good. Yeah, you the prisoners. No, no you're the guards. Right, now you're you got prisoners. it. Now right, you got right, it. Right, right. Okay, okay. It's all in good fun. All in good fun. Here's some games here. And there's Get out! Get out! <laughs> he's in my chair. What he's talking about is interesting and um I just found it very entertaining and thought-provoking, so I'm gonna go with that that scene in the hospital. Nice. Yeah, I already mentioned mine. Just uh, when Bruce Willis is grooving to the music in the car, like I, I just fully connected with that scene, and uh, it was uh, a touching moment in such a non-touching movie. <laughs> <laughs> so. Hmm. Um, so mine, I think, is the the recurring dream slash um, what you know future that that runs through the whole movie with the airport scene with you see you know Brad Pitt running with with the pistol and you've got basically it looks like you have an unreliable narrator right and I think it it, it does a good job conveying a a, a common time travel idea in that someone is misinterpreting the future and so the whole time throughout the movie we think that certain characters are playing certain roles and the inevitable conclusion will be that our character will successfully you know stop those people from doing what they're doing but in reality our character is actually the person that's ends up you know getting killed in the end and so you've got someone that just is not not actually interpreting the future properly and i think that's a common time travel thing that they use in a lot of movies but this one just does it in a way that i think no one really anticipates that ending and so it's kind of fun to have it play out the way it does it's kind of like harry potter and the prisoner of azkaban he's the one who creates the patronus yeah (laughs) so it's again it's it's common but it's still done in a way that's that's thought-provoking yeah my favorite scenes were all in uh 2035 just um i just really enjoyed um like how artsy they are like if you were to freeze any frame like it would make a really cool poster i don't know it just i love the lighting and the styling of them it's it's like a very surreal well obviously it's it's a very surreal um setting um, there's like a part where he's um, on hospital bed and like the scientists are congratulating him for accomplishing his mission. And for whatever reason, there's this giant painting hanging over the hospital bed. And I just, I like a future where like when you're getting better after like time traveling, they'll have like some art ready to go. I don't know. <laughs> I just, I, I, kind of, I thought that was kind of endearing that they have that to like help him rehabilitate. I do nice. like that, the, the painting over the bed. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, it's time for uh, toilet paper roll. Um, 
well, how many toilet paper rolls you want to give uh, 12 monkeys. For anybody who's not listened to another episode, this is how we rate movies. <laughs> <laughs> this is your first. We, yeah. we, one to ten. Toilet paper roll rating system. <laughs> <laughs> We're not just giving just away like toilet paper rolls right system. now. <laughs> just no. Toilet papers. <laughs> so 10 is best movie uh, ever. One is like, oh my god, why did we watch this? Yeah. Yeah. And you better to first. get some more toilet paper. <laughs> um, I'm gonna give this uh, eight toilet paper rolls. I this is the first time I saw this movie. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was super cool. Um, I I feel like I needed a movie like this that was just super weird. Uh, I haven't seen too many of Terry Gilliam's other movies, but I'm also a huge fan of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. So, um, you know, now seeing 12 Monkeys, I'm like, okay, I gotta see Brazil now. Um, but yeah, I loved, uh, all the, you know, set design, the performances from both, uh, Brad Pitt and Bruce Willis are awesome. Um, I'm forgetting, uh, Dr. Riley's, uh, actual, the actors, Madeline Stowe, Madeline Stowe. Yeah. So Madeline Stowe was phenomenal in this i don't know i haven't seen her in anything else that i'm aware of at least um you probably but have yeah, but performance yeah. is great directions amazing um yeah eight toilet paper rolls for me all right i myself would give it a six toilet paper rolls and i think Ooh. it only comes down to the fact that i really do not like terry gilliam's direction and i'm not a huge Gilliam. fan Gilliam. of Gilliam. Terry, Terry Terry G Man. I don't I also <laughs> not I don't love the cinematography either. Just the there's a lot of Dutch angles in it and there's a lot of just strange edits that, that yeah. I think make it seem more lighthearted than what I think the source material is it like what I think would make it palatable for me. Um I think that if you had this under the direction of David Fincher, Christopher Nolan Denny Villeneuve, I think, would just be more tonally what I I would like personally. Um, but I, I think that the the acting is great, the story is great, the time travel is is adequately confusing, which I guess is a <laughs> hallmark of most of these time travel movies. But I just I don't care for the direction personally, and so that brings it down a large chunk, and it's just not one that I feel the need to see a ton because I think there are a couple scenes that just take me out of what the themes i think the heaviness of it and it makes it kind of strange so what, six what, what if what if what if uh guillermo del toro directed it oh that'd be awesome i feel like that'd be a, a similar aesthetic but would yeah what, what... it's tr- it's tricky because i like his films but he also has some fantastical elements that i think maybe work with what he does but just i think this movie could be just very serious and sober and for whatever reason they choose to have it you know injected with some lighthearted moments that i just don't think make sense but that's just my personal opinion yeah so i'm gonna i'm gonna kind of go between you guys i'm gonna give it a seven toilet paper rolls out of ten i i actually really agree with chris on the cinematography um my I think it's, for me it's a stylistic thing. This movie uses a lot of wide angles, which is very it causes a lot of sort of distortion. It 
it's appropriate for the tone that Terry Gilliam is going for, but I think Chris is right that the subject matter is, is somewhat more serious. I think he's trying to bring some some elements that are they're more um, silly, I guess. Um, but I don't particularly like the color as well. Like I, I, I love the set design. I like the costumes. I think it's incredibly creative, but it's very washed out. It, 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 lo- it lacks a little bit of drama, I guess, for me. But again, that's kind of Terry Gilliam's style. So he probably accomplished what he wanted to accomplish. Um, but I, I also didn't think the cinematography was something that, that um, I particularly liked. But I think that's just my preference for what I enjoy watching cinematography-wise. So um, as a cinematographer, I should be able to you know, say, ah, it needs to gear toward the content that it's intended for put across the right feelings for the for the content but I just don't really particularly like the style um, that they decided to go for in this movie um, I do like the storyline um, I think the performances are very good I actually like the editing and it's the, the fact that it is kind of confusing at the beginning and you you kind of have to yeah. go along for the ride to some degree and not ask too many questions um, the irony being is I complained about the lack of context in the road but I think this movie gives a little more context than the road personally um, but hmm. you'd have to go back to that other podcast to, to hear my thoughts on that one um, and yeah that's kind of how I feel I'm going to give it a 7 and I like Terry Gilliam I, I actually I, you know, I enjoy Brazil um, I think he is a a wonderful artist and a unique voice um, and there's really no one quite like him. And this movie, I think, wouldn't be... It would be completely di- different directed by someone else. And I don't know if it would have the same um, following or uh, longevity uh, if it had been. Um, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. So, I would also give it seven rolls. Um, for me... I think, yeah, Terry Gilliam, I love his aesthetic in the future, like I said before, but everything that was said in the 90s felt very much cut with, like, a blunt instrument to me. And I just, like I said, like I said before, I, I really didn't enjoy how quickly the love story escalated. It just, like, it, it just, it, I, I had a hard time believing it. And... Yeah, the, like Chris said, the Dutch angles were also just a little bit overdone. I, I did not enjoy that at all. Like, we get it. He's feeling a little crazed, but we don't need the Dutch angles to, like, illustrate them. Most of that was in the, the mental institution, so it was meant for that kind of scene. Yeah. Like, the, like if yeah, it was a lot like, kilter. I feel like it's kind of like you don't trust your audience to feel the chaos inside, right? Um, but yeah, I can feel chaos with the camera level. I don't need it to be... <laughs> Diagonal to know that yeah, shit's going weird. Yeah, but when you turn your head slightly askew, it's just. <laughs> I don't mind Dutch angles. I don't mind them. Like you have these great characters, and it's so hard to focus on them because it's just like. Ugh. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm more a French angle myself. <laughs> <laughs> I like my angles American. I'm sorry, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh God. Oh golly, but um, yeah, so. In conclusion, seven. All right. Okay. So not not cool. super high, but not I would say 
Okay, I, have to, I actually am going to ask another question. Would you recommend this movie to somebody? Because we, we all gave Idiocracy a somewhat lower review, but we all wanted to recommend it recommend as a, a good movie to watch. Would you recommend this? Or would you have to kind of decide the kind of person you were recommending it to? Yes. You wouldn't yeah, recommend it I to think anybody. it would depend on the person. Yeah. For sure. I think if yeah, if someone I think if someone was a big Brad Pitt fan, I would say yes, you should see that movie because it's a really good role for him. But otherwise, it's not one that front of mind I would encourage just anyone to see. I think you need to be a bit of like I wouldn't say you have to be a cinephile, but you, I think it's a movie that if you if you're someone who just really enjoys watching movies and aren't very picky about it. Um, this is one that you could probably embrace as sort of a, an interesting watch. I would disagree. I feel like this is, like, if somebody were to watch this on the actress alone, they might be very disappointed. Like, if you saw the, the cast list, you would be like, oh, like, really, like, entertaining action movie. When it's really, like, a really entertaining, like, artsy movie that has a little bit of action, in, like, infused throughout it. It's a little bit of a thinker like you have to be paying close attention you can't be passively watching this movie you might be disappointed if you saw the cast and you're like ooh yeah this is what I have to watch this like, kind of it kind of feels like an art house Blade Runner mm-hmm. sort of yes <laughs> if you have a hard time following uh, time travel this is not for you no well that it would make a lot of sense that Andrew what you said about art house Blade Runner because it just so happens that it's the same uh, screenwriter Oh, oh that David is interesting. Peoples. I actually forgot that we talked about it before. Hmm. Boom. That is actually kind of interesting. <laughs> Connections. All right. All right. Anything else you want to share with the well, movie guys, or should we move to the charity of the week? Charity I think we should move on to the charity of the week. week. Chris. Okay, so for this, this week, week, I I a couple of years ago I came across someone on Twitter, his name is Rodney Smith, and he travels around the country and he mows lawns for uh, elderly, disabled, veterans, single moms. He has, I think, a some you know, like an SUV and he essentially just drives around and when there are unkempt lawns, he offers to mow them for free. And He's kind of uh, he's been featured on a few news sites, uh, a couple different uh, little interviews and stuff. Um, his website doesn't even list him uh, as the about us, which I think is nice. Like he he clearly is not you know it's not about him; it's about the service. And so the website that he has it's called um, Raising Men Lawn Care Service, and the website is WeAreRaisingMen.com. And the point that they convey on the site is that. Um, it's meant to promote awareness for the youth of the future and that it's a platform where the younger members of the community can give back uh, by offering lawn service, snow shoveling, leave raking, free of charge to veterans, elderly, disabled, single moms. Um, he's, As far as I know, he's been to all 50 states. Uh, he takes donations that help, that flew him to Alaska and flew him to Hawaii and he encourages young people to sign up for a 50-yard challenge where essentially people are young people are willing to go out in their communities and mow the lawns of uh, their neighbors. And uh, especially, uh, it seems pretty topical today just because you've got plenty of people that are concerned about their health and may not be willing to risk um, going outside to, to keep their yard looking nice. And so by encouraging young people to, to help with 
uh, the yards of, of elderly people that are in a higher risk category. Uh, this is the kind of community-based, um, you know, philanthropic organization that I think is is good. Um, nice. So again, the, the website again? is uh, so the website is weareraisingmen.com, and the organization is called Raising Men Lawn Care Service. Hmm. Very cool. cool. Well, thank you for Very informing cool. us and the audience about that. That's that's an unusual one that, you know, I think uh, most people probably have not heard of. Nice. Boom. Well, uh, thank you for that. I, I think that pretty much wraps up today's episode on 12 Monkeys. Um, Chris, you have the list of what the next one is going to be, right? Um, yeah, so I our next movie crazies. is going to be The Crazies. Correct. Ooh, we're going, we're going nice. dark again, guys and, and gals. It's I'm excited. I'm really excited to rewatch this one. Yeah, we tried I'm to do a power to see it for cleanser. The first time. Try to do a power cleanser in between, but I, unfortunately, uh, it's a little macabre. But we're running out of palate cleansers. <laughs> no, wait. Don't, I thought we have uh, our it's, double feature. Is space, it after that? Space Jam and Osmosis Jones is our double feature. I believe feature that's the next cleanser. one. That's going to be yeah. That's that's following crazies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so look forward to that uh, audience out there. We got the crazies. And um, wash your hands and stay safe and wear a mask when you're outside. Please do that. Do it. Stay home if you wash can. Wash your hands. Wear a mask. Wear your mask. It's not that. It's not difficult. Just if it's you not step that outside, put on a mask. I got you a fun breathe. mask that I I really like. Uh, and I I bike with my mask on. It's cool. I'm into it. Nice. Check out the CDC if you want to learn how to make uh, your own mask. Some of them um, are no sew, so yeah. So no sew. So no sew. We're awful. Thank you everyone for being yeah. here for Apocalyptic. <laughs> we appreciate you. Please leave a review or a, you know a, a five star review <laughs> on Apple Any Podcasts. Review. Any review, Any. we'll yeah, shout give us it feedback. Out. Give us feedback. Five stars. <laughs> Even if it's bad, we'd like to know how we can improve. We do want to know how we can improve. Yeah. Um, we've discovered that and we go pretty long, Instagram. but we kind of like going long because we yeah. <laughs> there's a lot to talk about. <laughs> there is. Yeah, and, and be sure to check our Instagram. You can check yes. out all of our uh, posters for each episode. And our charities. Um, leave us comments and, and talk to us. If, the, if you guys have suggestions of movies or just mm-hmm. suggestions at all, uh, we are... Uh, eagerly awaiting uh, and want to read those comments. So, thank you very much. See you next week, everybody. See ya. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.